It's Thanksgiving Day. And you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. I am Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Christ. Doing the unpopular job. Boy, do I mean unpopular. <laughs> I get shot at on frequent occasions now. <clears throat> the names that I'm being called. Let's see. Um, arrogant. Conceited. Confident. That's interesting. Confidence now is now a bad thing. Yeah, I don't know if you know that. Um, uh, homophobic. Uh, male chauvinist. Narrow-minded. Male chauvinist, yeah. So, and what's really funny is, is that uh, you know, ever since I I challenged that Rob Bell Lectio Divina thing on a little eleven, right, right. my hate mail has spiked. <laughs> like, woohoo! I must be doing something right. It always feels so good. No. <laughs> anyway, it's Thanksgiving Day here at Pirate Christian Radio and Fighting for the Faith. And uh, I'm just in the studio for a couple of minutes and uh, writing, you know, basically giving the intro to today's uh, edition of Fighting for the Faith, which is a Sunday school lesson that I taught a couple of years ago. Now, you would think on Thanksgiving Day that I would do something about being thankful. No, I, you know, <laughs> I, I've realized I don't even have that, that message in my bag at the moment. Might want to find a way to get that in there, but in the meantime, I, you know, it, I, maybe I should have played this lesson for uh, for Halloween, because the name of this Sunday school lesson is "The Heart of Satanic Religion Is Self." So it, it we talk, <laughs> yes, folks, here on Thanksgiving Day at Fighting for the Faith, we're going to talk about the heart of satanic religion. Why? Because that's how completely out of tune and out of touch with reality I am. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, without any further ado, I hope you enjoy today's edition of Fighting for the Faith. And uh, I'm going to sign off here. But So if you would like to email me uh, regarding anything you heard on today's edition of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so at talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. That's talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. And I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we will, uh, we'll be live tomorrow at, uh, at 3 o'clock Pacific for a new edition of Fighting for the Faith. Got some good stuff for tomorrow's program. Uh, we're going to be playing, guess that Benny Hinn, ben, for tomorrow's program, Benny Hinn, actually I've got audio and video of, video of, of Benny Hinn claiming uh, that the Lakeland Revival, Todd Bentley and all them, that those were false signs and wonders. And he actually gives a, a sermon on discernment. Video's good for, for radio. Yeah, well, the, the audio will work here. The, the audio. So uh, we're going to be doing Benny Hinn, and then the Today Show just played a segment on uh, women priests in the Catholic Church, oh. and uh, so we'll be playing audio from that for to, uh, for tomorrow's show. So, uh, and we'll, of course, we'll get to listener email because if I don't, uh, then the pile will only get get bigger, and and people will feel discouraged. So. <laughs> I again it's thank you for keeping the emails coming. So if you'd like to uh communicate with us, talk back at fightingforthefaith.com. That's talk back at fightingforthefaith.com. And until next time, uh enjoy the Sunday school lesson and we'll uh you'll hear from us tomorrow. All right, God bless. By way of foundation this morning, I have some circles and a statement. And here's the statement the center of your theology determines the focus of your religion and the shape of your worship. The center of your theology determines the focus of your religion and the shape of your worship. We live in a day that is just as idolatrous as the world in which Paul preached to. 
just as idolatrous. In fact, if you want to know, um, by way of, uh, this was interesting, in Newsweek this week, I uh, read online something that made me go, hmm, birth pains. Birth pains. When we talk about birth pains as Christians, we're referring to signs of the end of the time, of the end of times. One of the birth pains that I read about this week was a man down in Florida who claims that he is Jesus Christ and has a following of over 100,000 people worldwide. Okay? Birth pains. Okay? The center of your theology determines the focus of your religion and the shape of your worship. Let's talk about some of our idols. Familiar with that sign? Money. How about this one? Power. Yeah, I think this is even more intoxicating than money. I think some have even said it's more intoxicating than sex. Entertainment. Today is one of the high holy days of entertainment. And I plan to be indulging in it. (laughs) God help me. (laughs) Go Indianapolis. Okay. Pleasure. Familiar with this idol? Yeah, Americans are really good with this one. The Romans had this one down pat. Yeah. In fact, if you're familiar with the Roman society, especially, uh, you know, after the reign of Julius Caesar and Augustus, you know, they had brought in so many slaves from Gaul and around the world that they had conquered that literally Rome was filled with slaves. The Roman citizens, you know, literally didn't have to lift a finger to do anything. And so with all their free time on their hands while their slaves were working, they were inventing and perfecting pleasure. Okay. Hand in hand with that goes leisure. I'd love to lounge around and do nothing. It's wonderful. These are gods. Here's an important one, success. One of the most important idols of our time. Success. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I have lived the American dream. Started with nothing and became something. Went from the bottom rung of society to the President of the United States. Isn't that the story that we're all looking for in this world? Success. It's all about being successful. In fact, if you've ever had insomnia and spent time in front of the television in the middle of the night, infomercials tell you ways in which you become successful. Just follow this program, buy this thing, or how to become thin. You know, it's all about projecting the right image and being successful. And then in today's society, this is a growing idol, sex. I'm going to throw one up here that you would not have expected, but you're going to hear it from here. Moralism is an idol. Moralism. And by the way, if you're not sure what that is, these are people who believe that they can save themselves by keeping a religious moral standard. Salvation becomes a debt that God owes you. It's a debt. Moralism. False religion. Or, if you're a really smart person, philosophy can become your God. All right? But in reality, all of these idols that we've talked about, it's important to keep something in mind. Idols all have one thing in common. They are fashioned by their makers, and they reflect their makers. Okay? When you lived in ancient times and you would fashion an idol, you would fashion it in the form of a man or a woman or a bird or whatever, and you would worship it because that was the creation of your hands. Okay? All idolatry really is something a little bit more deadly. 
It's self-worship. All of these things that we talked about, power, moralism, money, entertainment, sex, leisure, philosophy, success, and pleasure, are all symptoms of a greater illness. And that is, is that we worship ourselves. Worship of self is the problem of humanity. Okay? And, by the way, this is the way of all satanic religion and the doctrines of demons. Many people think that if you were to be a Satanist, it would mean that you would practice the dark arts, that you would go to ceremonies in the middle of the night with candles and pentagrams and invoke demons and practice black magic. Oh, believe me. Satan wants you to believe that's really what it's all about. Satanism isn't really about that at all. It's not about candles, knives, human sacrifice, and the occult. Something different. Okay? If you want to understand what true doctrines of demons are, it's all about self. We read in Isaiah chapter 14 these words regarding Satan, Lucifer. Here's what it says. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. You who laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the Most High. On the day in which Satan, Lucifer, had these thoughts, he made himself an enemy to God. Rather than keeping his place, he wanted to ascend higher than God. He wanted to be God. But... Verse 15 tells us the rest of the story. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. The way of I leads to hell. The way of I leads to hell. So we have this concept again, self in the center. This is the way of all satanic religions and doctrines of demons. Now, brace yourself. You're going to hear the most evil words you could possibly hear. This is from the Satanic Bible, the Book of Satan, or the Infernal Diatribe, chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Life is the great indulgence. Death, the great abstinence. Therefore, make the most of life, here and now. Verse 3, say unto your own heart, I am my own Redeemer. Sounds pretty evil, doesn't it? Say unto thine own heart, I am my own Redeemer. Satan continues, chapter 5, with his own version of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the strong, for they shall possess the earth. Cursed are the weak, 
for they shall inherit the yoke. Blessed are the powerful, for they shall be revered among men, and cursed are the feeble, for they shall be blotted out. Blessed are the bold, for they shall be masters of the world. Cursed are the righteously humble, for they shall be trodden under cloven hoofs. Blessed are the victorious, for victory is the basis of right. Cursed are the vanquished, for they shall be vassals and servants forever. Blessed are the iron-handed, for the unfit shall flee before them. Cursed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be spat upon. Blessed are the death-defiant, for their days shall be long in the land. And cursed are the gazers toward a richer life beyond the grave, for they shall perish, perish amongst plenty. Blessed are the destroyers of false hope, for they are the true messiahs. And cursed are the God-adorers, for they shall be shorn sheep. Blessed are the valiant, for they shall obtain great treasure. And cursed are the believers in good and evil, for they are frightened by shadows. Blessed are those that believe in what is best for them. Anton LaVey, yeah. Yes. The question was, in case you missed it, doesn't this sound exactly like what you're hearing in the infomercials? All the time. You're right. So what is the heart of satanic doctrine? Self. I must be successful. It works. It's got to be practical. I think it's this one. Blessed are those that believe in what is best for them. Now, I know that we sang birthday songs this morning, but if I were a Satanist, the high holy day of all Satanists is their own birthday. If that doesn't make the point, I don't know what will. It is not the summer solstice. It's your birthday. Me, 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 I, I, I. Power, moralism, money, entertainment, sex, leisure, philosophy, success, pleasure. I want these things. I want steps to be more successful. Ephesians chapter 2. Yes. Why? Satanism teaches to be your own redeemer. And yet, everything within your sinful nature tells you otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yes.
Right, right. And scripture tells us otherwise. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Desperately and deceitfully wicked. Believe me, the religion that you want by nature isn't the true religion. Yeah. Scripture tells us this in Ephesians chapter 2 regarding our state before we became Christians. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? Satan. And the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among them we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Not just the body, but also the mind. And were by nature children of wrath and like the rest, like the rest of mankind. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Doesn't it make you feel good? <laughs> Let me continue. Talking more, talking about self, satanic religion. First Timothy chapter four, verse one says this. Now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, that means right before Christ comes back, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Again, we've established what this is all about, haven't we? Power, moralism, entertainment. It's all about self, self self-help. Want to talk about how evil this stuff is? This is what this passage describes as the doctrines of demons. Through the insincerity of liars, those consciences whose consciences are seared, those who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving. Gasp, doctrines of demons that's based on what? Moralism. If you follow these things and you don't do that, God will save you. What does Satan say? You are your own redeemer. Second Timothy continues in the same vein. Chapter 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. Cross-references with the doctrines of demons passage. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here's the worst part about it. Having the appearance of godliness. These are moral people. They appear godly, but deny its power. Because what is the power regarding godliness? It's Christ. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. These are people who are out there learning, studying, being taught. And the way they're described is lovers of self. So the difference between satanic doctrine 
And the true religion hinges on one thing. The focus. Is it on you or is it on something else? And that something else needs to be Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the center of the Christian faith the only true religion on our planet. And I will not apologize for that statement. I know it is closed-minded. But this is not my message. This is God's. God's word says it, and God's words mean it. It is closed-minded, sure. It's narrow, yep. And so is the path to heaven. Jesus must be our center and focus of our worship, our theology, and teaching. When we shift the center back on ourselves, we revert back to satanic doctrines and practices. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? You are of your father, the devil. These were religious and holy men, were they not? Well, religious, but they weren't holy. Let me finish the Ephesians passage. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. You want to know about God's love? He loved us so much that while we were a bunch of stinking, wretched, satanically minded children of the devil, practicing the religion of Satan and focusing on ourselves, Christ died for us. He died for our sins. All of our evil religious practices he died for. Carried them on his body. Washed them away with his blood. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness and grace toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. I am my own redeemer, so that no one may boast. How can you boast? In fact, when we read this morning from the Satanic Bible, was that all not nothing but boasts? There's nothing to boast in in Christ. He is our redeemer and he's done it all. For we are his workmanship, not mine, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, all of this sets the foundation for our text as we walk into Mark. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 27. I will project it on the board. And again, I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, and I've switched translations just because I find this one to be far more accurate in following what the Greek text says. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure it is. No, of course not. Now, I think, the, I think what it hinges on is, is goes back to Christ. Am I in business for myself? 
in a way, you can say that I am. I'm trying to provide for my family, and I'm doing a good job for that. But my view of work, as far as how this all goes, it's toil. It's all part of the curse. I have to do these things, and this is the position that God has called me to, and I do it for his glory, not mine. If I do it for myself and my glory, then God help me. God help me, because I'm doing it with the wrong thing in mind. So I do my best in the position that God has put me in, whether I'm working for somebody else or owning a company, so that God is glorified in what I do. This is considered a good work, okay? And so I'm in business to help hospitals. That's the reason I I formed my company. I hope to maintain profitability because profitability means that I get to stay in business. And if my business fails, and it could, then, um, you know, I hope it doesn't speak anything less of me. You know, these things happen. Businesses fail all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's, I think I, I get where you're going with this. And let me, let me go back and give you an example, okay? Sex is something God created, okay? When you abuse it, you are practicing a satanic art. You have twisted something that God has created. By the way, Satan has created nothing. There is not one thing on this earth that Satan has created hasn't created anything. He didn't create sex. He didn't create pleasure. He didn't create leisure. He didn't create a job or anything like that. He twists them. He perverts it. And rather than the focus being on Christ and him getting the glory and walking in the things that Christ has given us, he perverts it and says, take it for yourself and do it your way. Yeah. He's, He's taken a beautiful thing and made it nasty. Yeah. Oh, Ayn Rand. I'm very familiar with Ayn Rand. Right. Right. Ayn, Ayn Rand, um, Atlas Shrugged, uh, The Fountainhead, these are, these are interesting works. I think Atlas Shrugged is probably the best of her writings. And um, the best way I can describe it is, is that Ayn Rand grew up, you know, her father was a middle-class shop owner. He was a pharmacist or chemist or something like that in Russia at the time of the revolution, uh, of the Marxist revolution there. And uh, their their shop was taken from them, their property was taken from them, and they got shoved out. And as a result of it, she ended up, you know, coming to America, you know, long story short, with a complete loathing of communism and socialism, understandably so. But she was an avowed atheist. And so she created her own philosophy called objectivism. And um, I, the, the, the book, Atlas Shrugged, is, is really the best tome on objectivism. And it's, this, it's kind of a combination of, uh, how do I put it this? Um, if you're familiar with Friedrich Nietzsche's uh, Superman concept, the Ubermensch, okay? Um, it's, it's this idea that man is noble, and she's right. 
But man is noble because God made him so. And so she, she, takes, the, she takes the counter-atheist claim of, of Marxism and runs it to the opposite end of the spectrum. And there's a lot of truth in what she writes. It's, it's actually so there's a lot of merit there that you, know, you need to be your best and not become a sponge, somebody who scabs off of other people. And there, you know, there's some noble thoughts to that. And, and I, you know, but at the same time, this whole idea that you're your own God, she denies original sin, and her philosophy would work if man lived forever and there wasn't a God. Just two small things that make it not work. <laughs> Mark chapter 8, verse 27. We're going to read a little bit of Mark this morning. Now, and Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, and this is probably the most important question you can ask anybody, who do people say that I am? Who is Jesus? Is he your coach? Is he your buddy? Is he the guy that just shows you the example of how you need to live yourself, live so that you can redeem yourself? No. And so they told him, some crazy things. Here's the religious ideas of the time. Well, uh, John the Baptist, some say you're John, others say Elijah. Crazy ideas. And others, well, one of the prophets, trying to explain it, right? Who is Jesus? Is he an avatar? Is he the Christ consciousness? Is he Hare Krishna? Is he one of the ways to God? Who is he? And so he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one of Scripture. And Jesus gave them strict orders or charged them strictly to not tell anyone about him. Why? Because people had false ideas about who the Messiah would be. They expected that the Messiah was going to come in power, in glory, throw the Romans out, set up his kingdom, and it would be a kingdom of righteousness. And the Jews would be getting special favors with God. And they would overthrow all the sinners and Gentiles. They were missing the point. Popular teaching at the time kind of overlooked the passages that talk about the suffering of Messiah. Why? Because the Jews, as holy as they thought they were, needed a Savior. They were just as sinful as the Romans. They just weren't admitting it. So he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Loser. Loser. Come on. We're expecting a winner Messiah, and the, the Messiah you're describing here is a loser. Somebody who's rejected, who isn't liked, who isn't loved, who doesn't come in power and kick out the Romans, but it has to be killed? This is not what we were taught. And after three days, he will rise again. And he said this plainly. And so Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Wow! Peter is very, very very, I want to say fortunate. Okay, who is he talking to here? God in human flesh. And he's going to rebuke God in human flesh. God at this point could have said, <laughs> and that would have been the end of Peter. <laughs> 
<laughs> what impertinence. Okay. And began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. There's that word again, Satan. How is he being satanic? You, they are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Okay, that's a good question. That actually goes back to Daniel. Uh, in the book of Daniel, in uh, one of Daniel's visions, he said, I saw one like the Son of Man sitting on the throne. It's a, refer- it's a reference to Jesus' deity. And so Jesus uses that as a veiled reference as his, you know, basically saying that I'm God. It goes back to Daniel. Okay? The passage continues. And so he called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Satan would have nothing of that. Blessed are the victorious. Deny himself. Take up his cross. Understand this. A cross is a symbol, the ultimate symbol of shame in this society and culture in which Jesus is working. Okay? A cross is something that a criminal carries. A cross is something that somebody who's condemned to die carries. Remember Tookie? Remember Tookie? He, Tookie, Tookie was his last name. Williams, he was, he was recently executed up in, uh, in one of our prisons, okay? You know, he had to make the death march, you know, from his cell to the death chamber, okay? Do we have any respect for Tookie? None. Whatsoever. Tookie who? Come on. He was an example. He was a brutal murderer who got what he deserved. We had no respect for Tookie. Well, I got news for you. People who carry crosses have about as much respect from people around them as Tookie did on the night that he was executed. Deny yourself and be like Tookie. Take up your cross. You've got to be kidding me. And follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. It's not about you. It's about Christ. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him Will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels? It's a stern warning. It's all law. And now, if you're not sure who Jesus is, the next passage, 9, says this. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. They're about to see Jesus take off the man suit for a second in a way and let his glory pop out. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Any question about who he is? He's God. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, "Uh, Rabbi, 
It is good that we are here. Let us uh, make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Here's what the text says. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. There's that terrifying thing again. It seems like every time we sinful humans run into somebody from heaven with their glory on, our response is, It's a shriek. It's fear. Yeah, they should have been afraid. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son, the father, declaring the deity of Jesus. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. He said it pretty plain. (laughs) Boy, talk about thickness. We, in our self-centered, false ideas about religion, even if it were told to us plainly, wouldn't get it. Okay? Now, keep this in mind. Christ is the center. He is God. He is king. And now we read in Acts chapter 11. Switching verses, if you would. You remember last week we read the story of Cornelius, the centurion, the God-fearing man, whom God sent Peter to, to preach the message of Christ, gospel of the forgiveness of sins. And they heard it, repented, believed it, received the Holy Spirit, and then were baptized. Okay? And remember, Jews at this time didn't associate with Gentile sinners. That's the way they were raised. It's like growing up in the South. There's prejudice involved here. Okay? And so now Peter's got to give an accounting to the brothers in Jerusalem as to what's going on here. We heard that you went out to meet with a Roman centurion, a sinner. What's going on? Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. We need to get a committee together to see if this is actually the case. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. Did you hear that? The circumcision party criticized him. Wow. Even among the early believers in Jerusalem, there was confusion regarding God's law and the gospel. They criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? These are Christian brothers. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again to heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. 
Caesarea, sorry. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all of your household. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved. Notice this is not a program that you've got to follow. He's going to declare to you a program that you have to follow, that if you do these six steps, then you will be saved. No, it's something completely different. That's the way of the gospel. It's free. It's gift. He's going to declare to you a message by which you will be saved. Good news. Glad tidings of great joy. For unto you a Savior is born. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Very carefully written sentence. Pay real close attention. It doesn't say that God called them to repent so that they could have life. It says that God granted them repentance. Remember, we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Faith and repentance are gifts granted to us by our Heavenly Father. Okay. <laughs> amen. Do I have a second on that? Amen. <laughs> right. Right, right. Ultimately, selfishness is a desire to be completely independent of God, to be dependent upon self. Christianity calls us to repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. Okay? So what were we doing? What's the world doing as sinners that they need to change their mind of? If you want the analogy, repentance is like you're going this way, and then go the opposite direction. Okay? That's repentance. Okay? So, the world and us, all of us, by nature, in our sinful mindset, I want to be my own redeemer. I want to be successful. I want to... Repentance is I'm dependent. I am a sinner. I trust in Christ. 
I believe the message and the promise. It is not me, it is him. See the difference? This is one of the reasons why I say it's very dangerous for churches that follow a seeker-sensitive model to go that way. Why? Because they purposely set out to make church appealing to people in their sinful mind. What don't you like about church? Well, I hate the hymns. What don't you like about church? I hate it when they preach about sin. It makes me feel bad. I need something more practical. It's okay, so they do the survey. Well, they don't like the hymns. They like this. They don't like messages that teach about sin, and they don't like to be made to feel bad. So what we're going to do is we're going to create church now that will be appealing to them to draw a crowd. Congratulations, you've drawn a crowd. But has anyone there repented? Have they heard of their need to? Have they heard about their sin? Have they, or are they being reinforced Sunday after Sunday in self? Yeah, yeah. The church went like this. You know, this is really, really humbling. And gosh, it, it just makes me feel dependent on God. I, oh, let's go this way instead. <laughs> but that's what we do. By nature, we struggle with this every day of our lives. On the one hand, Peter says, you are the Christ. And on the next thing, he's rebuking Christ. We do the same things. <laughs> Is this the great harlot? Well, the great harlot's false religion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great story. Yeah, when the Israelites finally get into the promised land, Joshua, son of Nun. That means he had no mother. Um, <laughs> or father. He just <laughs> popped out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, they go to Jericho, and God gives them the most ridiculous battle strategy ever given to any army. You are to just march around the city. March around the city for seven days and sing and blow the horns. You know, and people in the city of Jericho are terrified, you know. But, I mean, normally when you give military advice, it goes something like this. All right, here's what you do. What you want to do is you want to feign attack over here. This will draw their troops out. And then what you do is attack them from the flank, and then you'll overpower them. No, God says just circle the city. I'm going to give them into your hands. I am going to give them into your hands. So what do they do? They march around the city. They blow their trumpets, and they do what God says. And on the last day, God says, when you've done it seven times, then everybody is one shout. And they did. And God gave them the city. The walls fell. Jericho fell. Not because of anything that the Israelites did. God gave them the city. And so afterwards they say, we get it, God. This is great. So now we're going to go kick, kick AI's right. rear end. And they do it. You know, they don't even send their entire army. They just send a, you know, a small portion of it. Hey, God's with us. We can do whatever we want. They didn't even inquire of God. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. And they got a royal spanking. Right. Jesus is our bread of life. Jesus is our Redeemer. He is our life. In our baptisms, we are hidden in Him. We were buried with Him. We were raised with Him. Our entire salvation is in Him. He is our gift and our great reward. 
And I've got news for you. Just as the song that we sung this morning says, you cannot out-sin the grace of Jesus. That is the good news that is declared to us today. You have a choice. You can do it yourself and be your own redeemer. Follow the satanic doctrines of self. And you will receive your reward for such behavior. Or you can trust in Christ, recognizing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and a Redeemer. One who offers you complete salvation based upon trusting a message where grace and repentance and faith are given to you as a gift, 100% in Him. Yes. Yeah. That's right. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. You keep looking for something to do to earn your salvation, but it's given to you as a gift. How could you possibly earn it? Yeah. What does Romans 8 say? If it is by grace, it is not by works. If it is by works, it is not by grace. It's either one or the other. Either salvation is given to you as a gift or it's something that God owes you. It's a debt. I did this. You owe me that. Believe me. I have employees. I get to do payroll every two weeks. They did this. I owe them that. And I write the checks every week. Okay? It's not the same way with God. Salvation is a free gift, and he's ridiculously generous with it. Ridiculously. It's insane. We deserve hell, and he took hell for us. We deserve sin. We deserve shame, judgment, and hellfire. He took it for us. Judgment Day for us Christians is going to be pretty much a non-event. Pretty much a non-event. Because Christ was judged for you when He was hanging on the cross. The sun darkened. And there was an earthquake when He died. And the earth was shaken while He was hanging on the cross and the sun was darkened. Why was it darkened? God was judging His Son. Yeah. He took our sin for us. And God judged it and punished it. Jesus took the punishment for you. Trust in Him. Repent. Stop looking to self. Stop following your satanic doctrines and satanic tendencies. And trust in the One who offers you true life. A life that comes through sacrifice, suffering, and the denial of self. Repent and believe in the gospel.